1: Hi everybody and welcome back to the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. Thank you so much for listening and making a a commitment to learning. I am your host. I am Jordan Porter and I'm joined once again by the cute Bailey Porter. Hello. So once again, Yvonne is off gallivanting around the West Coast. Um, Who knows what she's doing? She moved to Oregon, but then had to go back to California for a little while. And so she is unavailable to meet with us. So we're going to do a little bonus episode together. Uh, Although Bailey didn't have a lot to say last week. So (laughs) we switched gears a little bit and tried to come up with a good topic that we could talk about. um, So that way we could engage her a little bit more. So we're going to talk about basic animal first aid. So of course, everybody listening here is going to know a lot of the basics but we do actually get a lot of members who listen to our podcast surprisingly who are still in tech school so it's a lot of those things that what we would like to share with people like you Bailey and like other people who own pets of like in this in this case of an emergency like what can you do before you get to the vet right like how can mm-hmm. you help this is actually a lot of what my job does currently um but I do think it's very important information. So, like, as technicians learning, I think it's important to know, like, hey, like, how can't, like, what tools would we have at home to help a pet um, before a pet sees the vet clinic? Yeah. So, we're going to just talk about some basic first aid. So, starting off, though, Bailey, what do you think would be some situations in which we might need to? Like, do first aid. Like, can you? We have a lot of animals. Like, what do you, <laughs> like, what have we come across? Uh, not including some of the recent events, but like. Um,
0: if they're be- bleeding or have a scratch or wound, put. Wound. Wound. Yeah. <laughs> put, like, band aids on it or tightly ri- wrap it in.
1: Vet wrap. That bad. yeah that's good but see there are things and we'll talk about it obviously right like but there are things like that that a lot of people would think to do right at home like say riley's out running around in the backyard and slices his paw pad open on an oyster shell although we don't have those anymore but like it's a thing it happens um or a stick or some sort of like piece of metal you know the dogs that like, yeah whatever But then they come in bleeding and a lot of people think, oh, I gotta wrap this as tightly as possible, right? Because we think apply pressure and that's gonna stop bleeding, which is true. But when it comes to pets, well, yes, that is true. We don't necessarily wanna leave tight bandages on. Um, So we'll talk about, let's see, what other things can I think of that we hear about? So there's obviously heat stroke, which I know you and I have talked about a little bit because I worry about it in the summer with our dogs, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think heat stroke is?
0: Would they get too hot and faint
1: they can yeah but it actually can be super damaging to their organs and things like that think about it your normal body temperature is up to 98.5 ish right dog's normal temperature is 1025 at the highest normal technically but when dogs develop heat stroke they can get up to 106 108 degrees yeah so those situations can be really scary and what do you think your body would go through being that hot?
0: Your organs would fail.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, along with like your blood system. So the the things in your bloodstream that make it so you clot actually get destroyed in pets with heat stroke. Um, so they can bleed very easily and not stop bleeding. <laughs> I know, morbid, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so we'll t- we can talk about heat stroke things that we can do at home. We can talk about we can talk about toxin ingestion. I mean, again, think of all the things that our dogs have eaten. Luckily, nothing like toxic. They've just eaten plastic and things like that and toys. <laughs> just
0: plastic. But
1: we talk about it with the chickens and stuff too, right? Like we think about what plants they can't eat and things like that. So we can talk about that and some first aid options that we could do at home, um, and then. There are obviously going to be some more severe situations. So, there's something called a GDV, which is a, a bloat. I know you've heard me talk about bloating. Like, I mm-hmm. specifically won't let Mumu outside after he eats so we don't bloat. Um, so, that's where their stomachs are super full and they fill up even more with gas, but they like dogs will go running after they eat and like be panting and swallowing air and their stomach will flip over on itself. Oh. And that can cause it to die and cause it's called necrosis. Um, so we can see more severe situations for that. Things like that, we can't do anything at home. You have to go to a vet right away. Mm -hmm. Um, but we would have to know what to look for, but we're not going to get into all that. Uh, what else can we start treatment on at home? Like snake bites, spider bites. We would have a lot of that around here if it wasn't for all the chickens eating all the snakes.
0: Nom, nom, nom. Yeah, right? Mm, snakes. Danger noodles. Danger noodles? <laughs> Danger noodles.
1: You have a good eye for snakes. Remember last summer when we were out in the woods and you saw that baby copperhead? Oh, yeah. Copperheads are dangerous, especially babies.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. You weren't near it. You just saw it.
0: I was near it. I mean,
1: no, you weren't. You were up in the blinds. No. Either I was way. walking. Why do you think I always tell you guys to wear tall shoes when you go through the woods? Fair enough. Wear your boots. Um, So we can see things like that with our pets too. So there are some things that we can start at home and then get to the ER, Mm -hmm. right? And then I know I talked with Uncle Cory about this, but everybody should have like a little pet first aid kit at home, right? For like things that we can do at home. So we'll we'll kind of talk about all of that stuff. Um, What do you want to start off with? Um, What if
0: your pet starts giving birth at home?
1: Oh my gosh, going through Pua again? Yeah. Uh, That's not really first aid because a lot of times uh, dogs very much know what they are doing, right? Like Mm -hmm. with Pua. Um, You guys were at school, but... um,
0: No, we were home.
1: You were home after school. Oh, yeah. But uh, the majority of the time, dogs and cats can deliver puppies and kittens without any assistance. There are certain breeds that struggle, Uh, English Bulldogs, Frenchies, anything with a squished face, which is why we'll probably never have any of those. Um, So, yes, you're right. There are things that we want to look out for. So before Pua gave birth, right, I'm telling Daddy a list of things to keep an eye out for so that way he knows if he needs to bring Pua to me when I was at work. So a few of those things, right, we would want to communicate. You're holding a chick in your hands.
0: No, I'm not.
1: As long as the baby chick doesn't make too many appearances on the podcast. He
0: won't, but I'm still listening. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Are you? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so back to delivering puppies. So what we can see is we want dogs and cats to be delivering puppies as easily and kind of quickly as possible, right? The longer a dog is in labor and trying to deliver puppies and puppies aren't coming out, the more dangerous it gets. And generally, the rule of thumb is you don't want to go between four hours between puppies so you don't want to deliver a puppy at noon and then still not have another puppy until after four that can mean that there's a problem um if they're pushing 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 Do you remember looking at pua when she was going and her her belly would kind of like tighten up yeah so that's pushing so when they're doing that and they're pushing 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 and nothing's coming out right or another thing that can happen is puppy or kitten gets stuck so they make it. some of the way out, but not quite all the way, and they can't quite make it. Um, Some parents will try to pull and help, not recommended. Any of those situations, it's generally recommended to take your pet to the ER. There's not a lot you could do at home. There's several breeders out there who've been around the block and done it a million times, so they have injections at home that they can give to help stimulate and get things going. But for the average day-to-day person, that's not gonna happen. Uh, What else would you like to, you want to learn about the heat stroke?
0: Yeah, kind of.
1: It's something to watch out for, especially here. We live in Georgia, so it gets very hot. But we generally keep our dogs inside during the hottest parts of the day in -hmm. the summer. And like I said, so that is so we make sure that they don't get too hot and their body doesn't start to shut down. So Mm -hmm. signs that we can see, though, that that might be occurring, what can you think of that you might see if a dog's starting to get too hot?
0: A lot of panting and... mm, They're slowed down a
1: bit? Yeah, so they become lethargic, that's what that means. So it means that they're just not quite acting right, they seem lazy and like just under the weather, right? Mm -hmm. So you're right, yes, they can slow down, they can pant a lot. So sometimes you can see um, their eyes will get really red, right? Mm -hmm. Or their tongue, because it's hanging out and they're panting a lot, their tongue gets super red. We call this injected. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to tell you all these terms, like you're going to remember them tomorrow. But uh other things we can see when it starts to get too hot right when because think about it if a dog's already hot say their body temperature's already reached like 103 104 they're hot they're panting they're getting really red sometimes they can act lazy and like lethargic sometimes they can act restless because they're trying to like cool down but then all that panting and that activity and that breathing super fast super hard actually makes pets hotter right so then it's going to raise their temperature even more Now, things that we used to do at home, or we'd say we used to do at home for pets, is quickly cool them down. As quick as you can, get them in a nice cold bath or something like that, right? Well, that's no longer recommended. Medicine changes, it's great um so something that happened again i learned that what 15 years ago and so now it's different now we want to slowly cool them down we don't want to rapidly throw ice all over them or dump them in the cold shower and people do this all the time which is logical thinking right like Mm -hmm. if something's super hot you want to cool it down as quickly as possible but when the body's in that state do you know what controls body temperature blood clothes
0: um organs
1: nope kind of well one brain the brain a oh. specific area in the brain but I'm not gonna go into those details but
0: because I would not remember that for like, no a but
1: while. what happens is if you have a really hot pet and then you cold like cool them down super quick then they're they're the part in their brain gets a little bit confused and like so regulating body temperature right we already know that we got super hot but now all of a sudden we're super cold and it just doesn't have time to adjust right so we can actually cause more damage by trying to rapidly cool something down
0: what if we like set them in front of a fan
1: exactly so we want to slowly cool them down we used to put alcohol like rubbing alcohol on their paw pads because dogs and cats sweat quote-unquote sweat from their paw pads and their ears so those are the quickest ways to cool down that's where their capillaries are exposed and that's the quickest way for them to cool down Mm. because what a body does to regulate body temperatures blood does play a role blood goes down into the tiniest little vessels that are very close to the surface they're called capillaries like
0: those ones on the back of my hand.
1: those are actually veins capillaries you can't really see capillaries look like tiny like
0: tiny little
1: like itty-bitty threads of, like, branches everywhere. Hmm. And they are the closest blood source, technically, to the surface of your skin and, like, the surface of the outside world. And so that's where blood goes to cool down. And so that's why we see, like, the injectedness, because all that blood is trying to rush and cool down very quickly so we can see all that redness appear. Mm -hmm. Um, So we used to put alcohol to help cool that down, right, Think about when you've had rubbing alcohol on you, and then it feels very cold after. Yeah. yeah. And so Or sometimes we would just put cold water in their ears. But a fan, a fan is the way to go, mm-hmm. right? A fan, we want to now slowly cool them down. So when a person or a pet owner goes through this, their first reaction is to cool down as fast as possible. So if they happen to call the vet and be like, oh, my God, this happened. On the phone, typically the advice we're giving is... Stick them in the car with the AC on, right? And then just get to the ER. It's simple. It's quick. But we do try to say, don't throw in a bathtub full of ice or cold water, right? A lot of people will just cool them down. Like if you have a hose outside, we can wet them down as long as it's not ice cold water. Mm -hmm. But we just don't want to do it rapidly. Um, There's lots of ways in the hospital that we can cool pets down and place an IV catheter, run IV fluids, and things like that. And so we can cool them down a little bit slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, but lots of damage can happen if pets get too hot for too long. I'm not going to go into those details. I think we already have an episode on it. You should listen sometime.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> You've never listened to my podcast, have you?
0: No, but I found it on Google before.
1: Yeah, at school. At school. Hmm. So what else? What about wounds?
0: Mm, okay.
1: There's lots we can do at home for wounds.
0: Mm-hmm. Lots and lots. Like Simple wounds. Them.
1: Not like broken legs sticking out of skin and like hit by cars. Like we can't, you shouldn't manage those at home. Anything that could potentially involve a broken bone or internal organ damage should not be addressed at home. Just this is my disclaimer. Simple, we call them sub-Q, sub-Q means skin layer, Mm -hmm. subcutaneous wounds.
0: Being scratched by a stick or... Yeah, or
1: like cut on the fence or like you, happy tail is a thing, right? Like they whack their tail on the wall, make it bleed. Um, ears, they whack their ears or they they get bit <laughs> by another dog or something like that, right? We see a lot of that. So obviously the first step is going to be control bleeding. Without applying pressure, what ways can you think of con- to control bleeding? This is hard one. Um...
0: I think the first step of everything would be wipe away the blood and walk it off.
1: No. Yes. That's my girl. Yes. Just,
0: just walk it off. You're fine. Yeah. Um, but...
1: It might surprise... The answer might surprise you. Hot water? No. You're, you're on the right track, though. Um... All right, we're just going to talk about it. All right, so say Riley or Mumu or whoever out back uh, comes inside and they have a little, like, cut maybe about, like, this long, an inch long maybe on their leg. It's bleeding some, but it's not, like, gushing blood, right? Like, so we want to take care of it. So first thing we want to do is apply pressure, right? We just grab a paper towel and just put it on there, pending the dog is not aggressive and trying to bite me. Um, So we put the paper towel on there. Then we're gonna gather our supplies. So another thing that we can use though is ice. So what ice does is it constricts. Okay. Remember I talking you were about
0: waiting for me to guess. I was like, Ugh. Nope.
1: So anytime this happens, I'm I'm gonna tell you to run for an ice pack because what an ice pack does is when we apply that cold to those bleeding vessels, right? It's vessels and veins and capillaries that bleed, and that's where the blood's coming from we apply ice to it and ice is going to shrink things, right? Remember how we talk mm-hmm. about ice shrinking things like in science class and stuff. So it's going to shrink those blood vessels and make it so like not as much blood can come out of those, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still applying pressure. Yes, we kind of want to wipe away the blood, but blood also plays a role in stopping bleeding.
0: How? I know. Does it just dry it up? makes sense. Well, w-
1: mm, yes and no. So there's platelets in our blood, right? platelets are little band-aids that essentially float around our bloodstream and so what they do when a pet or we or anybody starts bleeding is they then go they're just floating around until they get an alert saying that they have a job to do right Mm -hmm. then their job is to go to that wound and stick to that wound and essentially form a barrier right it's going to form a very thin very temporary Mm -hmm. barrier to try to stop bleeding
0: and to stop getting infections in
1: kind of yes and then what they do is once they've made their little barrier, this all happens within, like, milliseconds, by the way, um, they then signal to coagulation factors. So these are factors made by, like, the liver and other parts of your body that float around the bloodstream as well to help clot. What does a clot do?
0: Um, basically, like, a bandage on top of the wound.
1: Yeah, but, like, a clog, right? Like, it's going to clog things because, mm-hmm. really – Every day, every movement you make, everything that you do, everything you touch causes little tiny tears within and throughout your body. So your coagulation system is constantly working to make sure that you're not bleeding internally and things like that. Whoa. Yeah. So the coagulation factors then all go to this site of bleeding and say, all right, platelets, we got it from here. And then some of the platelets will just be like, all right, cool. And some will just kind of hang out and linger there. Mm -hmm. The clotting factors and the platelets, then it brings in like red blood cells, white blood cells, and other things just to help form a scab, essentially. Mm. So it's going to seal up those areas. Sometimes it seals all the way over and we just have like a scratch with a scab on it, but bigger wounds, sometimes they need stitches, right? They don't quite, like a a scab's not going to quite reach across the whole thing.
0: Yes, a scab will reach across my whole calf.
1: Yeah usually does that'd be a gnarly scab
0: yeah oh ew yeah that would look weird too
1: i'm sure it wouldn't heal that would heal funky oh so anyway that's a quick breakdown of the coagulation system i really actually enjoy talking about it which is why i brought it up uh (laughs) it's like one of my favorite i love blood i like talking about it so anyway so now that we've controlled the bleeding on this wound on riley right Mm -hmm. now what do you think we do
0: Take him to the vet to get stitches. Oh wait, no, it's yes. not
1: that big. Well, it could be though. Say it's like borderline. Like if he wasn't my dog, <laughs> he should probably go to the vet for stitches. Yeah. Okay. Uh, disclaimer: I do take my dogs to the vet for stitches if they need them. Like, but I'm just, yeah, we don't do I'm just saying. Um, so we have a wound. Before we go to the vet, there's a couple things that we can do. We want to clean it, right? We, we want to make sure that we get any dirt, debris, and Potential risks for infection as, as far out of that wound as we possibly can. So we can use things at home to help do that. So we take the ice off, we take the paper towel off, make sure that the bleeding is very minimal. If it's still a little oozy, that's fine because again, blood is good. We want the blood to be there because it is doing a job. So then we take some saline, and do you know what saline is? Close it is similar Ah. it's like eye wash okay but it's called normal saline so it's just salt water essentially is what it is and salt water is very good at cleaning away bacteria and then
0: won't it hurt too it's It's not
1: that salty oh okay good like think about your tears right they're a little salty they're saline
0: oh okay that makes a lot more yeah but like
1: if your tears got into like a cut on your cheek or something from popping a pimple or whatever it doesn't burn right no so, that's how saline works too. And then we can also use it too. If we apply a little bit of pressure when we really squeeze that bottle, we can squirt and it's called lavage, right? Like mm-hmm. so we're squirting away the dirt. Like you've seen me do it with like a syringe and stuff like that where I just squirt away things.
0: I haven't seen you, but I understand. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, we can do that and that cleans out the wound and then we can even do things like applying Neosporin around the area. Bandaging is the part that we want to be cautious about. Some wounds, we want to let air dry and dry up and allow it to form that scab. Uh, Other wounds, we do want to bandage so that way it'll keep that area protected from infection. So the deeper the wound, the more likelihood that we're going to bandage. The more superficial or the more closer to the surface the wound is, the more likely a scab will form and it drying out is actually better for the wound than keeping it moist and trapped. 'Cause that's the risk we run with bandaging things, is we trap in moisture, we can trap in bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can cause infection too. Because bacteria thrives in moist areas. Thrives. It just loves it. It's like a swamp. Ew. So this is amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like what the witch from like Hansel and Gretel. It's like, Come here, my pretties, I have candy. It's yeah. Ew. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> I have- I have a swamp, Mm -hmm. here. My candy's called bacteria. (laughs) I'm just gonna spread infection everywhere.
0: You're welcome.
1: Yep. Anyway, so if we can apply a bandage, we don't necessarily want to put it on there as tight as we can because again, blood needs to circulate, blood needs to move through those vessels in order to help heal. And then, also, we don't want to lose feeling to our paw or our fingers or our toes or whatever. We don't want to risk cutting off that circulation. If Those parts of your body, any part of your body, can't survive without blood.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: thank you for putting the baby chick in my hand. You're welcome. While I'm talking.
0: He's cute.
1: So, if we do apply a wrap, we do want to make sure that it is on there tight enough that it doesn't fall off, but gentle enough that it's not going to cause any swelling. It's not going to cause any pain. Have you ever put like put a hair tie on your wrist or something and it stayed on too long and it just causes pain, but that's what bandages can do too. um,
0: It falls asleep.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because you lose circulation, right? So you lose that ability to feel that area. Mm -hmm. And if you do that too long, it can actually kill the area.
0: Oh, so like you want to be able to feel it. Yeah. Or like it's, did. oh
1: girl wait until i tell you about how they like castorize like neuter like goats and things and like oh, farm animals don't tell me <laughs> don't on that topic anyway so like i said there are things that we can do at home we can talk pet parents through at home before they go to the vet yes something like that like a significant wound that's pretty deep may or may not need stitches should be addressed right like if we can start antibiotics we should if it doesn't need antibiotics we shouldn't if it could heal just well enough with Neosporin, because Neosporin is safe for dogs, can cause some issues in kitties. So if kitties get Neosporin, they should wear an e-collar. Dogs should too, because, again, we don't want them even licking the wound, let alone licking the Neosporin. Yeah. Because that defeats the purpose of it.
0: (laughs) What does Neosporin do to dogs?
1: Same as it does for us. It, like, helps heal wounds. Like, it keeps bacteria out.
0: What happens if they eat it?
1: Mm, Sometimes they can get a tummy upset, but not usually. Sometimes they can get diarrhea and stuff, but some cats have shown signs of neurologic issues, so brain issues like twitching and, or seizures and stuff from licking um. it, not from having it on them, but from licking it. So, again, things should wear like an e-collar. Even if we weren't applying anything to the wound, we don't want pets licking the wound. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: What next thing shall we learn about?
1: I don't know. That's quite a bit of first aid. Do you have any questions about it?
0: Mm. Yeah. What happens if, like, they swallow something and they start choking?
1: Ooh. Have you seen those videos of, like, dogs choking on balls? And, like, okay. <laughs> yes. You should go to the vet. There's actually really not a lot you can do at home if a, if a pet's choking. And there's a couple different ways to choke. Oh. Well, think about it. You have two holes in your neck that you could get something lodged in, right? Oh. You have your esophagus and you have your trachea. trachea is where you breathe from air goes in and out of there so that one's a little bit more important a little more scary if something gets lodged in there versus your esophagus is super uncomfortable but like you're not gonna die within like 10 minutes without food or water yeah um But, you know, Cousin Kyle, he had an esophageal foreign body once. That's what we call him. It's where something gets lodged in your esophagus. I was like, as a human? I was like, I didn't even think that was a thing, but it is. Um, So in those situations, so again, uh, there's videos around on YouTube and things of like a dog, a German shepherd who was running around playing in the backyard and the the ball got lodged. Now, mind you, it didn't go in either the trachea or the esophagus because it was too big, but it got lodged. On top of those two areas so we couldn't breathe or eat or drink and you can see it and so they immediately went to the vet clinic which is perfect right mm-hmm. dog gets sedated if it's conscious but ivy catheter and stuff usually this is several people working on a pet you got technicians like assessing the dog's vital signs like heart rate breathing and temperature and stuff like that and placing ivy catheters running fluids drawing blood then you have a doctor who will come in and essentially push on the bottom of the ball and try to push it up but the dog again needs should be sedated to do that safely mm-hmm. um but that was a good question actually but there is really not a ton you can do at home other than trying to take a minute to breathe right you want to mm-hmm. assess the situation you want to try to think what was this dog chewing on right before this happened right and then we want to see kind of what the signs are like are we choking in our airway or do we have something lodged in our esophagus, right? A lot of times, luckily, it is lodged in the esophagus. So they'll do this, like, gagging, coughing thing and, like, not quite get anything up. You know, the <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, sometimes, if a pet parent, if the dog is willing, can look into the mouth and can actually see what might be lodged there, um, the Heimlich maneuver isn't quite as easily in pets' as it is in people. Obviously, our anatomy is very different. Yeah. Um, but some people will try that, right? You can do a good smack on the back. That's how you do it to babies. Don't even give me that look.
0: How do you know that that's how you do it to babies?
1: Um, I have children. I had to learn like how to save you guys' oh, lives yeah. if I needed to. You're welcome. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Luckily, I never needed to do it.
0: I was about to say, like you had to do it on one of us. You no, know,
1: I have had to shove my fingers in your mouth and like pull oh, yeah. crap out of your throats. So thanks for that. No.
0: <laughs> you got no banned. From, you
1: got banned from It's in the back seat of the car for a while after that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
1: So you know, there's are there are things. Um, so remember. Pet parents can do that too, right? They can like stick their finger in there and try to swipe away anything that might be reachable in their throat, pending that they don't get bit. Everybody runs the risk of their, of them getting bit. Any other questions?
0: Mm, not right now.
1: So we talked about snake bites a little bit though. Mm-hmm. What do you think we could use at home for a possible snake bite? And there's a lot of myths out there about how to help a snake bite, so.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm not sucking on it. That's how you get more in your body. Um, snake bites and dogs
1: and cats and stuff are actually pretty difficult to find until later, unless you actually see it happen. Oh. What do you think happens to a dog if it were to get bit by a snake? What do you think, like, the first couple reactions would be?
0: Limping. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Pending
1: it got bit in the leg.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Details, Bailey. I don't learn details, mother. (laughs)
1: We're going to talk about this homeschool gig again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what else?
1: Swelling, right? Think yeah. about when you hurt yourself, right? And you get swelling. So when snakes bite, same with spiders too, and like ants and things. What happens to us, right? Or like mosquitoes. We get bit, it starts to swell. Uh, sometimes we feel pain, right? Like a, specifically like a fire ant bite or something, right? We get a little bump and then we feel pain and it gets red. So that can happen too. Sometimes we can see discharge, like oozing from the site. What we really want to look for is for the, like, puncture wounds, right? So we want to see where it is. So we want to we want to see things like that. And then if there is swelling in a red area and you're able to notice it, say it's like, it just happens to say it's fins. It just happens to be an easy white dog where you can see everything that happens to his skin, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'd like to circle the area of redness and swelling so you can watch it grow. Well, you don't want to watch it. Obviously, we're going to try to do these things and then get to the vet. Um, but we can give Benadryl. We have Benadryl here and I give it to Finn sometimes for itching and sometimes he gets hives cause he's a pit bull. Oh. So that's again, another first aid thing. So we give him Benadryl and unlike humans, right? Like you could take one whole Benadryl and you'd be knocked out for the whole day. And mm-hmm. like, but you wouldn't have allergies and things like that because Benadryl blocks histamine receptors. So it essentially, well, it puts up a barrier in front of the parts inside your body that say you're allergic to something, right? Temporarily, it's like a gate, I guess.
0: No coming in allergies.
1: Yeah, so that's what it does. And snake bites cause histamine release. Um, so it's an essentially, it's a very, very severe allergic reaction. So we can give Benadryl. Pets get one milligram. Well, dogs get one milligram per one pound of body weight. So Finn being 50 pounds, exactly.
0: 50 milligrams. Yep. Yeah. Dang! did you doing math
1: this week, unlike last week.
0: Yeah. How much is like, how much do humans get?
1: Well, like I said, you could take one. Actually, you could probably only take half a tablet. Being your age and size, like I would take one tablet. How I could probably take two. I could probably take up to how much? Half tablets, 12 and a half milligrams usually.
0: Oh, so... Whoa! Oh, yeah.
1: Finn would That's like...
0: That's a lot. Isn't that what crazy? What about Mumu?
1: Oh, Moo would need... What? Moo Moo's probably 150?
0: Oh, uh uh-huh.
1: So that would be 25... That would be, yeah, 100... Or six tablets.
0: Six tablets? Yeah. Well, he'll be knocked out for the rest of the day.
1: You'd think, but they don't react that way. Some of them do get pretty drowsy, but don't, like, I'm a type of person who doesn't really get overly drowsy on Benadryl. I had, like, an allergic reaction to a cat, like, a couple years ago and ended up in the hospital, and they gave me injectable Benadryl, like, a lot of it, but, like, I was still able to drive and, like, function and walk and stuff like that, and, like, because they told me in the hospital, too, they're, like, you're, you're going to pass out soon just from being tired, and I was, like, mm-hmm, I was, like, I'm ready to go, like, so everybody's oh. different, so is essentially what it boils down to. But same thing, you could give Benadryl, you can apply ice to the area, and you can get to a vet, right?
0: hmm
1: I see the baby chick.
0: Yeah, but he's cute.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Okay. Do you have any other
1: questions? Because otherwise, I think this actually was a really good episode. I hope people like hearing from you.
0: Yeah, let's hope. And the baby chicken.
1: And the baby chicken. The baby he hasn't chicken. chirped at all, though. I was hoping yes, maybe he did.
0: He's, did he? Yeah, but there were small tweets. Oh. Um, let's see um there's a baby chirp yeah yeah.
1: i don't know if it'll pick it up though
0: yeah what if a chicken gets a snake or spider bite on its leg
1: i only do dogs and cats bailey oh i do my best (laughs) with the chickens and the goats any exotic vets my daughter has questions
0: (laughs) yes multiple
1: (laughs) large animal slash farm animal vets we have questions Bunches. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody enjoyed me and Bailey's... Me and Bailey's... Wow, I need to go back to sixth grade English. Yeah. Bailey and I's bonus episode podcast for basic first aid for pets. Did you learn something?
0: Bunches of things. Are you just
1: saying that to make me feel good? No. Okay.
0: I didn't know you supposed to put ice on a wound. I thought, like... That was just a joke. Go put ice on it. You'll be fine.
1: You really thought that I would just tell you that just to, like, get you out of my hair? Are you serious right now? All right. We got to end this podcast. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.